God has a plan for how he chooses to use each one of us. And God will place people in certain places of influence so that the word of God can go forth. How many of you remember the Apostle Paul when the word was prophesied to him that he would stand before kings and rulers and witness um, about Jesus Christ? Um, and that, sure enough, uh, took place. And the prophecy was fulfilled in the life of the Apostle Paul before he died. He stood before rulers and kings, King Agrippa, um, testifying of who Jesus was, and that Jesus is Messiah and that Jesus was God, right, to these um, Roman rulers, right? And so um, I thank God that, that the Lord, through Scripture, will teach us, right, that each one of us has a specific calling. Each one of us has a purpose, and he's placed us in a particular place because of the plan that he has for your life and the plan that he, ha that he wants to, to unfold in your life and in the lives of others, right? If we commit our lives to Jesus, then he, we're going to be able to give glory to God. And one of those individuals in Scripture is the story of Joseph. So let's turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 41. Um, we started the book of Genesis 41 lessons ago. All right, so that was a whole lot of weeks. Um, I think it was sometime near the end of actually 2022, we started our study in Genesis. And we've had a few breaks because of our United services on, on the first Wednesdays. We've had a couple of uh, special Wednesday uh, events. Um, but here we are. We're still in the book of Genesis, and we're marching through. Even one of our... Um, seminarians or master students who was away in college at Princeton he came back and he says man pastor you guys are still in Genesis huh when I left last year you guys were you guys were in that same book and we got a kick out of that I said yeah man we want to go deep we want to go deep in the word of God all right we want to we want to spend time in the word of God we're not in a rush we're not in a hurry you know my my father taught us all of us young preachers and pastors and um he said it doesn't matter where you teach. It doesn't matter where you come and approach God. With God at the center, you can approach Jesus from every angle. So we're teaching the Old Testament. We're teaching various books in the Old Testament or the New Testament. We're always going to make our way to Jesus. Everything, teaching and preaching, has to go through the cross. If we are teaching and preaching without the cross in the middle of it, then we are missing the mark. We're missing the mark of what it is all about knowing that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of Scripture, all right? So we're going to see the foreshadowing of the Messiah of Christ in all of the Old Testament. And Genesis is um, no different. We're going to learn, um, as, we can, as we've been learning, about Joseph and the deliverer or the Messiah type, okay, that he was, a person that God used to deliver a people, a person that God used, okay, in the, the plan of redemption everybody say redemption and redemption simply means that something is taken and it's given worth again okay you take you take your recyclables to where the redemption center are you calling the recycle center but it's a redemption center right you look at your your can or your bottles it says redemption what value right so we, we're gonna see here that with, because God has ascribed worth to each and every one of us by virtue of the fact that we are breathing, that we're alive, that he, he thought about you, all right, before you were even born. The scripture says, 
that the Lord knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Hallelujah. Think about that promise over your life. Think about that prophecy over your life before you even came to be. Right? Amen? Amen. So let's go to the Word of God. Today I'd like to entitle chapter 41, Joseph the Dreamer. All right? Joseph the Dreamer. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. I'll pause there for a moment. We are now entering into chapter 41 where um, Pharaoh is going to be on the scene, right, in this drama that's unfolding, right? And Joseph's about to enter here in a few verses. But for those of us that were here last week or those of you that know Scripture, all right, know we're leading up to the point where in chapter 40, Joseph had interpreted the dreams of two individuals that he was in prison with. He's in prison, y'all. Joseph is in jail. He interprets the dreams of the cupbearer to Pharaoh, right? The person who's basically will make sure that, uh, you know, let me get a let me get a drink of that, make sure there's no poison. You ever st stole a drink from your kid's uh, milkshake? Oh, let me get a bite of that, make sure it's not poisonous. You, you guys ever do that with your kiddos? Oh, that was the job of the cupbearer and the baker. They had, they, everything fell under them to make sure that nobody would ever try and come and threaten the king or threaten the throne. Nobody would come and try to usurp, all right, Pharaoh. Because back then, families and people and powers, they would be, devising schemes behind closed doors, how to kill this person, how to get, you know, the child of that wife to, to be next in line, right, to take the throne. There was all that types of jockeying and positioning going on, all right? Um, a whole lot of ugly type, type of stuff going on. So the cupbearer and, and the, the baker, all right, representing both the wine and the bread. Can I hear an amen? Well, representing the wine and the bread, right? The Last Supper, the communion, right? All elements that point to Jesus, right? And the new covenant. Can somebody say the new covenant? So here in Genesis, we're seeing like a foreshadowing and a symbolism, right, of the old covenant. And the old covenant or the promises of God were demonstrated by the faithfulness of God in his people. And there are special people that God has called to live out that covenant, to live out God's promises and his truths in a way where others can see it on a grand and a great stage, a great platform and on display. God has just simply chosen some people for that. Okay? I remember 20 years ago when somebody prophesied over my brother David and told him, Get ready. The Lord is moving you up fast. He was coaching local football around here. But, yeah, he, my brother had no idea what that was, but he received that word that was spoken over his life by faith. Everybody say by faith. You see, you, you got to activate it by faith unless you receive it by faith. And if you receive it, if you don't receive it in Jesus name, then guess what? We are not bringing ourselves into alignment with God's promises over our lives, okay? And so that's very, very significant. 
I remember another time, and I won't get into detail because that's between David and the Lord, where God spoke another word over my brother David. This is before, you know, any of this coaching stuff even happened. And my brother sat on that word, didn't tell anybody that word for years until he shared that word with some of us and said, the Lord told me that on this day, at that place, at that time, by this person, for this reason. Wow! Okay? That's how God works. That's how God engages and involves himself with his people. But we have to be looking for it. We have to be seeking God. We have to be in the right place at the right time. If we are not wanting to do with God, if we're not coming to church, if we're not in the word of God, or we're not in prayer, or guess what? Sometimes God will, because he's merciful and gracious, sometimes God will intervene even when we're not, even when we're not walking, even when we're out of his will. God will intervene and speak through somebody and get us right here, right in the middle of the forehead. And we, we knew that was the Lord. And sometimes God uses that to get us back on track. Can I hear an amen? But guess what? It will happen with greater frequency is the point that I'm trying to make when we are walking in the will of God. You follow what I'm, what I'm saying? And we're going to see that here in the life of Joseph. We see here that Pharaoh now, okay, we're, we're coming back, leaving chapter 40. Joseph interprets the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. And guess what he says? The dream that you had, he tells, he tells the baker, of having three baskets of bread where the crows were coming in, eating the bread out of the basket. He says, that means that your head will be lifted up and lifted off, and you're going to die. And that was not a favorable interpretation of the dream that the baker had while he was in prison alongside Joseph. However, on the other hand, Joseph interprets the dream of the cupbearer, and he says, this was my dream. He, there were three vines in front of him that produced the fruit of the vine. And from the fruit of the vine, they took some grapes and squeezed it into a cup, and he placed the cup back into the Pharaoh's hand. He says, and your head will be lifted up, and you will be restored to your rightful place there in Pharaoh's house. And that happened. And guess what Joseph told them? Hey, remember me. Don't forget me. Remember me in your glory. Right? Remember me in your, in your glory. And guess what the cupbearer said? You got it. I got you. Don't worry about it. But here we are. Check this out. Pharaoh starts off with these dreams of seven sleek, healthy, good-looking cows, the kind you see up the five and the 99, and starts smelling a little interesting going up that way, right? That's what he saw. And then he saw and seven gaunt, emaciated cows also came out of the River Nile. Interesting to note that the River Nile was a place that many of us know um, for the, the floodwaters and it being a very, very lush part of Africa or, or Egypt. There um, near the tributaries that come down from Israel, right, um, and that, are, that flow into this continent that we know as Africa. So that is the location here that, that Pharaoh is is operating from. Then it says in verse 5, he fell asleep again and had a second dream. 
Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. Verse 6, after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. Hmm, interesting. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. Um, it had been a dream. So Pharaoh has two dreams. The reason why I call this message Joseph the Dreamer is because we understand that in chapter 37 was when the life of Joseph and dreams intersected. Okay, He has two dreams as a young man. He's a child. In his first dream, it says that there was one sheaf of grain or wheat that stood up and there were 11 others that were bowing down to this one sheaf. And so his brother says, oh, yeah, so what does that mean? Are we the 11 and you're the one? And he goes like this. You said it, not me. Then the Bible says he had another dream. And in the other dream, Joseph himself was standing there. And it says the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were there bowing down to him. So guess what his father, Jacob, said? Joseph, my beloved son. The one who I give, I gave the coat of many colors to. Are you saying that your mom and I and your brothers are all going to bow down to you? And guess what Joseph said? You said it, not me. But Joseph received these dreams as words from the Lord. Joseph received these promises of God, not knowing or not understanding what they really even meant like in the context that he was as a young child and having these dreams of all these things and people bowing down to him right he couldn't really understand what all that meant not too long after that his brothers who had hated him and despised him and were jealous about him kidnapped him sold him into slavery right he goes into potiphar's house Potiphar's wife lies on him, throws him in the jail. She said, he tried to make sport of me, really. She tried to seduce him, and he says, no, you must run and flee. Amen? So that's where he finds himself in jail. Here we are now. We talked about the dream of the cupbearer and the baker. Those are two more dreams. How many is that? Two plus two plus two is what? Six. So there's six dreams now in the matter of four chapters that we're unpacking and reading about and learning about, right? God interacting with his people in a supernatural way. But it's when we take the supernatural and we apply it in the practical by faith and receive it as a word of prophecy over our lives, okay? Now, Joseph not only receives dreams, but God gave him the gift to interpret dreams. The cupbearer and the baker came to him with these dreams, and he says, doesn't don't, doesn't dream interpretation belong to God? Tell me your dreams. He wasn't saying, I'm God. But what was he saying? I'm connected to him. Think about that for a moment. Don't, dream interp don't dreams belong to God? Aren't they of the Lord, Joseph says? Tell it to me. Here's somebody who was bold enough to talk about his connection to the Most High. Somebody who's not afraid to talk about his relationship to God. He remained a faithful witness to God and the things of God wherever he went. 
with his family, even though they didn't like it. In jail, in Potiphar's house, he was a faithful witness. Can I hear an amen? And now let's see what's about to happen in the Joseph novella. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. He sent for them. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them to him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, including himself, right? And he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. That was Potiphar. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. He told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. All right, let's pause there for a moment. We see right now here in the scriptures, as now Joseph's being reintroduced into the story of Pharaoh, right? Where the cupbearer realizes the fact after two full years, he, he finally remembered of his promise to Joseph because this now repeated itself once again. It was so familiar. It seemed like deja vu to the cupbearer. And he goes, there was once, what's his name again? This is where he was. Guys, Joseph remained in prison for two more years being forgotten about. How many times have we gone for something for for six weeks and we thought the world was coming to an end? We thought that God was absent. That God had deserted us. We hadn't heard from God in a while. It's It's been a long two months. Joseph for years had been neglected, forgotten about, but he did not turn his back on the Lord. He remained faithful in the midst of it all. He remained faithful to God. Praise God. I'm encouraged today. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the only one encouraged in here today. But I'm encouraged by Joseph's faithfulness. I'm encouraged by the witness that he, had, that he is for the Lord. Joseph was still there. Somebody say Joseph was still there. He was interpreting God's dreams with God's help because of his connection to God. Let's continue. Verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. I like the NIV translation here. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, can you imagine what he looked like? He came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Verse 16, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. Imagine Pharaoh's heart sinking. And th- but then he goes like this, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I can't do it for you. 
but God can. Why are you playing with my emotions, Joseph? Uh, Joseph's name in Hebrew means to add. It's a, a mathematical word, to add, or uh, to, to the greater sum of, of things, or in addition to. That's what Joseph's name means, that God basically used him exponentially, is the way I always chose to look at Joseph and interpret his life. He was a man of favor, but it didn't, didn't always come easy to him. You see, God's got a plan for all of us, and some of us haven't even walked into the fullness and the greatness of God's plan yet because we're still in the process. He's still preparing us. He's got to go through you and deal with you so he can break the yoke and unfold and pour out all the blessings upon your progeny, your spiritual progeny. Because it's, it's in their spiritual DNA because of your prayers, because of your faithfulness because of what we have done in committing our lives to Jesus and repenting and coming to God. Some of us have had to, as my, my tia, Mama Lisi said, the, the teacher, she says, mijo, you know, some people have had to stand in the sun in order that we get the shade. And some people have had it a little bit harder in life so that we can learn from their mistakes. We can learn from the, le- we can learn from the lessons that they've had to learn at their expense. So that others would benefit. Joseph was one of those kind of guys. The things that Joseph went to, most of us would not wish upon our worst enemies. Especially if we call ourselves Christians. If we're Christians, we're, we're meant to follow Christ and follow his teachings. Right? And so to hear about the trials, the struggles, the hardships, the, all the things that Joseph went through. He knew that God had something greater for his life, even though his situation and his circumstance did not say so. There was nothing evident in Joseph's life for years in darkness, in the, in the dreariness, in the, in the, ah, man, in the prison, being forgotten about, lied on. Nothing about his situation pointed to there being a, a, a happy ending to the story. But did Joseph allow all of that to, to deter him from remaining faithful to God? Looking scraggly, torn clothes, probably emaciated, malnourished, poor hygiene, as broken and disheveled and, and, and beat down by life. But inside, his faith was shining. Inside, God was on the throne of his heart. And when when people were brought into Joseph's presence, guess what? He lifted their countenance. The Bible says that the baker and the cupbearer were brought to the place where Joseph was kept, and they they were brought under his oversight. Even while he was in prison, he rose among the ranks. And that's powerful. I want to be like Joseph. But be careful what you ask for. You might just have to go through some hardships in order to experience what you have on the other side. (laughs) Amen? Okay, let's continue. Right here, verse 16. He says, I can't do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. 
So I want to talk about something for a moment, and it's highlighted here in verse 8, where it says, Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. This is very consistent through Old Testament um, a Jewish narrative, where the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is put on display. Um, and what is juxtaposed to the person who is actually the uh, protagonist, okay, in this case, Joseph, um, is going to be set up against the magicians and the wise men, the, the best and the finest of Egypt, who were incompetent in the prophetic. They were incompetent in the supernatural things of God. God blocked their sorcery. God took away their ability to interpret. And guess what? There is black magic. Guess what? The devil does have power. Guess what? He does have demons. Guess what? The devil does have minions. Guess what? God, the, de the, de the, dark, the darkness does have the ability and the power to do the types of things that we're talking about. We had a sister who came up here today and was talking about some of these things, about how God used her to encourage a friend to put those things away because that's not the true source of light and power and salvation and deliverance. So in Scripture, just like in 1 Kings chapter 22, King Ahab was about to go into battle, and he says, I want to, I want to, sitting around, you know, well, I want to go to war. I want to get more territory. I'm going to go into battle. I want to make sure that God's with us. You know, this is one of the, the kings of Israel. But he had false prophets around him. He had people that just like to tickle his ears and, and make him feel good and flatter him, right, um, and, and, and say all the great things, you know. Ramses is the best. Ramses' legs are the best. If you don't watch, if you never watch Nacho Libre, you don't know what I'm talking about. Just, you know, just coaxing him, making him feel good, and just like, and he says, We're going to go into battle. Are we going to win? And all the false prophets, they lie, right, sister? They lie. They say, Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to tear them up. Oh, we're going to get the victory. Oh, we're going to celebrate. It's going to be fantastic. He goes, he said, you lying. Bring me a real prophet, he said. Now, why you got all these other false prophets, right, Pastor T? Why you got them around you in the first place? They failed. They failed. They failed at doing their job of being, having integrity. Finally, they brought the prophet Micaiah, and he fell to temptation too. They said, Micaiah, he says, Micaiah, tell me. I want to go into battle. Are we going to win the battle? And he goes, absolutely. He goes, don't lie to me. You've never lied to me. Why you start lying to me now? He goes, fine. No. We're going to have our, you know what, handed to us on a platter. And he goes, ha, ah, see, I knew it. So again, what about the story of uh, King Nebuchadnezzar? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They're, in, they're strangers. They're foreigners. In a, in a strange and foreign land, the people of Israel, some very um, unknown persons of ill repute, right, looked down upon, frowned upon. There's these, these Hebrew people. They're in 
the presence of the Babylonians, right? Then the Persians, so on and so forth. And yet God shows the, the incompetencies of those of the majority, right? In, in this particular case of King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, and others, the Hebrews, are lifted up to put God on display, just like here in Joseph, in his story. How many of you are tracking with me? So I, I, I saw this, this prophetic incompetence that the author here in Genesis, Moses, is telling when he speaks about these magicians, these sorcerers, or these wise men of Egypt. Also that the one true God and his servant, much less a servant in prison, right? It's the underdog, right? It's the paradigm shift. It's everything that people think turned upside down on its head. How many of you guys like underdog stories? That's what we're talking about today. If you started at the end of the story, end of the book, you wouldn't think that would be the case. But that's why we have to go through the Word of God, spend time in the Word of God, understand the Word of God so that we can grow in our faith. Amen? So we see here that the consistent stories in the Old Testament and throughout Scripture will highlight one of God's faithful servants because they are faithful witnesses for the Lord and for His goodness, right? And they do not fail. God gives them power. God gives them insight. God gives them supernatural revelation so that he can operate in a greater level, not just, let me, let me put it to you like this, not just in the church, but on a national level. Not just on a statewide level. We're talking national level. Talking all of Egypt. God is putting Joseph in his story because he's been faithful. If Joseph hadn't been faithful, we wouldn't be telling the story of Joseph. We would be reading about someone else. We're reading about Joseph's story because of his faithfulness. Because, watch this, his resolve. Because of his desire to go against the grain and to not look to the right, not look to the left, but to be unwavering unswerving in his commitment and his faithfulness to God. Let's continue. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, what time is it? All right, seven more minutes. Love you, Brother Dennis. He's got dialysis in the morning. He's got to get his rest. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other came up scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as they did before. And then I woke up. In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain. And he goes through the whole thing and, and, and retells and recants the story of his second dream, right? The sixth dream that we're seeing here um, in the last four, four chapters that Joseph's a part of. And then finally, in verse 25, Joseph says to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. 
God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Joseph tells Pharaoh, well, you know what? God is the one giving you these dreams because he's revealing to you, a pagan, a non-believer, what God is about to do. God is involved in global affairs. God is involved in current events. God's involved in it all. And he chose to use Pharaoh, a ruler of a mighty people, to interact and engage with Joseph because God had a plan, not just to save Israel, but to save all the people of that land. Look what it says. And we're almost done. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years. And so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They're the seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it very soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Joseph, excuse me, let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. That's tithes times two, right? That's 20%. So he says, right now during the seven years of abundance, Joseph said, we are going to take 20% of the, of the product, of the gross product, and we're going to set it aside. We're going to live off of the 10, and then the remaining 10 we will have in the years of famine. Watch what he says. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? He's referring, Pharaoh is referring to God, you guys. God is involved in these politics. That, must, that might be a shocker to some of us. The things of God matter. The issues of our day matter. The things that we vote upon matter, right? I got a request for a petition um, this past week. Normally, I see things and I'm like, ah, oh, this one, I'm really praying on it. Something that we may bring to the attention of our church. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. You're going to have to read the rest on your own because we're out of time. It's a long chapter. I thought about breaking it up into two weeks, but we got to press on to chapter 42 um, next week.
So I really would love to encourage you to read the remaining portion of, of chapter 31. You'll, you'll learn about the uh, tribes of Israel, uh, the sons of Joseph, right? You'll learn about how Jacob added Joseph's two sons to the clans or the tribes of, of Jacob and made them a part of the 12. It's tremendous. So if you're a Bible scholar, you may see some um, anachronistic things in the scriptures, some of the stories being told about the people of Israel before they even actually happen, which is why it makes those that are curious in scripture where you, we see some, some things that seem inconsistent, it's okay to ask those questions. Write them down, all right? Just don't go on YouTube, you know, getting running away and following all kinds of rabbit trails. If you have good questions, ask pastors that you trust. Sit down with biblical scholars that can help break down the Word of God to you in a faithful way, in a way that's not going to drive your faith away from God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Church, I love you. We had a wonderful time here today. Thank you, Brother Matt, for leading us in the time of testimonies. We're going to be lifting up Brother Daryl's son, Adrian, in Jesus' name. We're going to be lifting up Floor's mama and Floor's family. Let's lift her up in Jesus' name. Let's give their family just a round of letter. We're behind you, sister. Um, and there are several others in our church that are going through difficult times. Their names will remain unnamed today. Um, because of privacy and their desire to, to, to go through those things um, in a private way. But let's just let's close in a word of prayer today. And if if you pray in the spirit, would you pray in the spirit right now and, and ask the Holy Spirit to give you utterance? May the Holy Spirit speak through you and speak to things that maybe you're not even aware of that God is 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 doing right now um, in, on our behalf. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you tonight. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father God, because you're a good God and you're a faithful God. Despite, Lord Jesus, what we are going through, Lord, we lift up Adrian right now, Lord Jesus, who's battling cancer. Lord Jesus, we ask, Father, for healing over his body. Father, we ask that you would remove the cancer in his body, Lord Jesus, that you would remove every last root, Lord Jesus, that is there, Father God. Remove it, Father God. We're praying for a miracle. We do not hold back. You are the sovereign God, Father. You will do as you please, Father. But we're going to ask, Father, and we're going to believe, Lord Jesus. We're going we're gonna to petition you, Lord Jesus, and, and, and we're going to call upon Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, the one who heals his people, Israel. Father, we're going to ask that you manifest your love, Lord Jesus, over the sick today, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Father. Whoever is watching, Lord Jesus, this message and a part of this service, Father, that they would receive healing, Father God, wherever they are. Be with Pastor Koba, who's getting over the, uh, a flu bug right now. Now heal him, Lord Jesus. Restore his health and his strength in Jesus' name. We lift, lift up Floor's mother in Jesus' name that you would remove, Lord Jesus, that cancer from her body. We bind cancer in the name of Jesus. And we lift up the name of Jesus over that C word because we spell Jesus with the capital J and cancer with the small C. We believe, Father God, there is nothing greater than you. And you can do all things, Father, should you please. So, Lord, we pray for mercy. We pray for grace. We pray for power. We pray for strength. Father God, be with the faithful. Be with those who are hurting right now, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray that you would break the yoke, that you bring healing in the minds of those who need divine healing. 
Lord Jesus, that you would heal them, Lord God, that you would transform their minds by the renewing of your word. May your word, Father God, wash away, cleanse, remove impurities, Father God. Those that are recovering from addiction, Father, may you restore, may you heal, Father God. May you realign, may you reorder, may you reestablish thinking, words, thoughts, imagery, Father God. We know that you can do all things. You're a God who loves his people. We're We're a people who believe. We're a people who are formed and fashioned after the name of Jesus, after your son. And it's in you, Jesus, that we stand firm in our faith, like Joseph. May the the plan that you have for our lives, just like Joseph's, may we hold on to that. May we hold on to those promises. Hopeful. Optimistic. Full of faith. That great and mighty things and wonders and signs are on their way. Faithfulness, consistency, dependability, reliability. That we are there, Father God, when the person knocks. That the faithfulness, Father God, that you have called us to will allow us to remain. The beauty, Father God, of the faith. Though we may change, though this world passes away, you remain the same. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You're everything in between. You're our Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We praise you tonight. We praise you tonight. Praise you tonight. Use the pharaohs of the world in our lives. Give us the confidence of Joseph to stand before the great. Be with my brother David. Keep his eyes focused on you. All glory to God. In things both great and small. Sitting next to someone who is sick and holding their hands. That's great in the kingdom. That's mighty in the kingdom. Serving those who are sick. Caring for the elderly. Caring for those who are shut in. He's great and mighty in the kingdom. May we see the things through your eyes, O Lord. Amen, amen. 